Welcome to the Storycraft Cafe. Come in, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and get ready to join the storytelling conversation. Storycraft Cafe is brought to you by Dabble, the ultimate cloud-based fiction writing software. Here we're going to bring together storytellers from all walks to encourage and empower you to craft your best story. If you're writing your novel in November, you can get an extended trial to use Dabble to write your novel. If you're not already a Dabble user, go to dabblewriter.com, sign up for your free trial, go to NaNoWriMo, register your November project, and you can use Dabble for the entire month of November. It's amazing. You're going to love it. Be sure to join us over on our YouTube channel where we're doing some really fun videos right now. We've got a series going of AI tools for writers and how they might can help you. We're also doing a series of videos coming up very soon on the different styles or methods of plotting. That's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll put links in the show notes where you can go over and subscribe for free to our Dabble YouTube channel. Now on to our show. And we are live here in the Storycraft Cafe. I am your host, Hank Garner, and today I am super excited to have Peggy Townsend on the show with me. She has a phenomenal new book. It is called The Beautiful and the Wild, and you see see it sitting on my shelf there behind me, and you've got uh, the, uh, the brand new hardcover edition right there as well. It released yesterday, if you're listening to this live uh, as we're doing this on Wednesday, or if you're listening to it later on our podcast channel channel it's out available everywhere now and you can go grab it at your local favorite bookstore peggy i love this book so much and i'm really excited to talk about it welcome to the show today well thank you so much for having me i really appreciate what you're doing and the support you give to authors and for highlighting my book um this is really exciting for me um and so yeah thank you very much for this well, well, thank you. Um, Peggy, I love to start the conversation with a fun question just to kind of get the ball rolling. And one question that I love to ask people is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Wow, um, that started really young. I was probably um, in fourth grade and I started reading Nancy Drew books and she was so strong and so powerful. And um, I just loved how she, I think I was a little curious kid. So I loved how she would stick her nose into other people's business. And so um, she just caught my my attention and I was a reader anyway. And um, I, I wanted to be like her and I wanted to write books like that. So yeah, that's when the urge started. Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I love it. Um, I had an older sister. She's a year and a half older than me. And um, invariably people would give her Nancy Drew books and they would get handed down to me. So I was a Nancy Drew um Die hard, uh, but I I never actually got them. I got them handed down. I would I would get Hardy Boys books, which I loved, but Nancy was just uh, you know she was a different creature altogether, and I loved those books. And they they definitely I feel like uh, kind of hatched a love of mystery and um, you know probably why I love thrillers to this day is probably because of those books. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that sports car she drove, it was, oh, yeah. <laughs> she was, she was badass before they called people, women badass, you know? Right. Right. Um, That's so, so yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, you, is this your third novel? Do I have that right? It is. It's my first with Berkeley publishing. Okay. Um, so yeah, but I've had two other novels. They were uh, more mystery, they more traditional mystery with the, uh, newspaper reporter as a protagonist. This is more a uh, domestic suspense. Gotcha. Um, I, uh, I, I happened to open Instagram on my phone yesterday afternoon and Hank Philippi Ryan, a great friend of mine that uh, she's been on the show a number of times. I saw her going live with you and I, I opened it up on, on my computer and I watched a few minutes of it and I was, uh, I, and I noticed that she was asking you some things that I wanted to talk to you about. So I, I closed it down real quick because I didn't want, I didn't want your conversation with, with that Hank to influence your conversation with this Hank. Um, so we have a great time. We, we call it the Hank and Hank show when we record, but um, well, I, I have another Hank in my life. My dad was named Hank. And I bet he was a phenomenal guy. He was, he was, <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, you know, he was a, a maverick, I guess I would call him. So love it. You don't meet uh, an awful lot of Hanks in the world. So, you know, when when you find one, you need to latch on to him, I think. Right. Uh, and I love Hank Philippe Ryan. She's amazing. She is amazing. But you with with this being your third novel that you published, um, you have been working as a writer uh, for a a a good while before writing fiction. What what was your your day job for years? Um, well, for years, I was a newspaper journalist. And so I covered everything from um, murder trials to uh, county fairs to doing investigative work about healthcare disparities, about uh, kids that lived on the street and had no support from many agencies. Um, so and feature stories. So, yeah, I was a daily journalist. So um, from that, I really learned how to discipline myself to sit down and write, because as a journalist, you you don't have time for the muse. You the clock's ticking. The presses are waiting, and so right. Um, well, that's I've always as far no, as like, practice for writing. Right. Uh, one thing I've always been curious about is in when you're a a daily journalist, how do you know if a story is going to be worth pursuing? Um, because some of these stories are, are very in depth, and you can spend you know days, weeks, months chasing down a lead and you know what if what if it just doesn't go anywhere like I, do you do you develop a skill kind of early on to to kind of smell whether a, a story is worth pursuing or not I'd like to say you do but every once in a while I would chase a story and think this is great this is great and then something would happen and it, it just would fall apart and it didn't hold water um, but generally you know if a if a story either touched my heart or I just felt like there was this innate sense that there was a grain of something there that needed to be looked at. Um, that's when I would go after that. Um, and most of the time it worked out. There were very few times when I had to abandon a project, but I remember doing one project and I swear I was working on it for three months and I had to kill it. So, uh, which was very sad. It's kind <laughs> but, of frustrating and sad and all the emotions. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. But glad because I didn't, I wouldn't have, I didn't want to print something that was not true. Sure. So um, I'm glad I found out before it ran. So there's that kind of relief. True, true. Um, I've gotten to know quite a number of journalists through the years that have gone on to write fiction. And on the surface, uh, it would seem like a fiction writer and a journalist would be at odds with, with each other, maybe not at odds, but on, on different ends of the spectrum, you know, but, um, from my outsider view, uh, it would seem to me that, uh, journalism will add certain tools to your writer's toolkit. Um, for instance, the way I see it from, from my vantage point, uh, especially if you live in a, a big city where maybe a, a happening goes on and you've got a number of news outlets and they all send a reporter or a journalist to go cover it. And each one of them will tell the same story either in their newspaper or on the, evening news or whatever it is, it, it'll be the, the same set of facts, but it will be filtered through the eyes of the journalist who who's reporting on it and who witnessed the events or who talked to whichever handful of witnesses. You know, it, it, it's always a little different depending on this person's vision of of what's happening. Um, it, do I, do I have that right? Um, you know, do, do, do things like that happen where, um, you know, different people will report differently on a story just because they, they see it differently. And, and what do you feel like your years in journalism have added to your fiction writing toolkit? Okay. Those are, I know that's like eight questions all rolled in one. I'm sorry. You you have to remind me partway through part of the question, but um, let's talk about the writer toolbox. Yeah. I think as a journalist, um, it's a, it's really hard to go from journalism to fiction writing. I thought, Oh, how hard can that be? I write every day, you know, (laughs) but it was way harder than I thought. Um, I really had to switch my mindset to one of, creating instead of reporting. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I wrote a journalism, a newspaper story, um, I had the facts, I knew where it was going. I just followed the trail. When you're doing it yourself, you have to make stuff up and you have to follow a trail that's logical, but you also want it to be different. So there's that moment where you're like, okay, where am I going to go? Where is this character going to take me? Um, But as far as the tools in my toolbox, I think what journalism did was a allowed me to do research, you know, pretty well. Like I, I love research. Um, I also, learned to see detail. Um, In journalism, a lot of the times the story's in the detail, right? Right. And so um, as I'm writing fiction, I remember that and my characters have small details that I think tell who they are more than me saying, oh, this person's curious, you know. Um, So I I use that in my fiction writing to tell the story, to expand the, the characters. Um, as far as, you know, journalism reporting different things from different viewpoints, I guess, and and one event that, you know, that does happen. I see that nowadays a lot. Um, I think what that might be more a product of, well, let me just, you know, instead, I'm going to say what I believe is that when I report something, when I'd go to an event and there'd be a lot of reporters there, 
I'd really try to see what the story is. I'd really try to look for the details. And, you know, you can't be objective because you're you're reporting. It's going through your brain, your eyes. But I really wanted to be fair. So I would try to when I would see something, I would try to look at it from different angles. Like I would look at it straightforward, but I also, well, what's behind this? Uh, What is this person really saying? Who else is there? Uh, Why is this happening? So my story might be a little different from someone else because I have this other angle that I'm also looking at. Um, that doesn't mean one person is wrong or making stuff up. Um, but I think as long as you're fair and work to be fair, I think that's the best you can do. Gotcha. Um, your first novel that you published, See Her Run, um, the Aloha Snow uh, series, book one. Um, how did how did this book come out so you're you're working as a journalist what what was it that you know made you itch to write fiction um i you know i think i just wanted to try something new um i i have to tell you this quick little story i don't know if you know what the pointer institute is but it's a journalism center in florida and i went there for a week for a um, narrative nonfiction writing program and james mcbride was there you know the color of water of uh, heaven and earth grocery store and he changed the way i write he just totally upended my idea of how to write story how to create character and um so as I'm writing my fic- my nonfiction, um, I started to think, well, what if I could make the- What if I tried my hand at fiction? What if I let my see how far my imagination could go? Um, but I really had to work my creativity muscles. Right? <laughs> I had to learn. I had to study. I had to read other people's books and try to figure out how they did things. You know. Um, and so, yeah, it was a real learning process for me. You know, in the writer community, we love to stick people in in primarily one of two camps. They're either uh, pantsers, they write by the seat of their pants, or they're planners or plotters, you know, people that meticulously sort out the story ahead of time before they start drafting and have a roadmap, if you will, to, to go by. Um, when you, you know, since you were switching gears, going to a, a completely new format, uh, you know, to write in, how did you approach it? Did, and, and have, since you're three books in now into your publishing career, has your process changed of, of your, your pre-writing? Yeah, that's another good question. Um, I'm afraid like I'm an obsessive plotter. So my uh, outline is many, many pages, right? Yeah. Um, because I really, I hate the novels where at the end there's like, ta-da, and you're like, how did that happen? I don't, there was nothing in there to say this is where that book was going, right? Yeah. So, I, so that's maybe part of the reporting is I want to lay a foundation for the ending. So I have an idea for the beginning and I have an idea for the ending. But that said, as you write, the characters, and you probably know this, the characters, it's, they oddly start to take over and they become almost real. And you, I mean, they're almost like your friends, like you see them every day when you sit down to write. So as you're writing and getting to know them and developing them, sometimes they change the story. <laughs> sometimes they do things because, you know, you'd plotted that they were going to do this, but you realize that person would never do that they would right. do this thing so you 
in that sense, I'm a pantser at that point. I kind of follow the character, but I make sure that all the points that lead up to the ending from, that were in my outline are still there. So, um, yeah. I joke a lot that um, that writing is one of the only things that you can do where you can say that the the characters that you made up decided to do something completely different or said something and no one looks at you like you're you know, silly. That's right. 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 Other writers understand that. My husband sometimes wonders, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> this person. Well, she wouldn't do that. So yeah. Right. Well, thank you for understanding that. Yeah. So what was the what was the catalyst for that first book? Um you the 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 writer's workshop where you started thinking differently about character and, and, you know, kind of the structure of story. Did, did you just, was there an idea that had been kind of nagging at you that, that you thought, well, this is the, this is the time to pursue that or kind of what was the, the genesis of that first book? Well, I, I think the idea came to me. I think um, that was about the time and I'm trying to remember the exact person's name. But um, there was journalists who had been caught making stuff up. Right. And they were being just totally shunned and disgraced. And um, I was thinking about that. You know, a journalist has such high responsibility. Mm-hmm. And wh- why would someone just suddenly make this stuff up? What would drive them to make something up? And so I started thinking about the idea of a disgraced journalist trying to get back, which to her sense of doing just, you know, finding justice and, and fighting for the little little guy. And so the character just kind of came formed to me. And um, I wanted to explore that, um, which was you needed to explore it in a fiction way. Right. right. So um, so that's how that that book started. So I, that's how I created the character. That's an amazing premise that that that's one of those ideas that like, oh, that's so pregnant with with all sorts of ideas. That's uh, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I thought how if something happened to my journalism job, how I would long to be back out there. You know, when someone came and told you this this horrible thing happened to be able to make some sense of it or maybe help right the right a wrong, you know, or give a voice to somebody that didn't have a voice. And um, so, yeah, I thought how that would nag at you with that because that's such a part of your being. So that's how my character came about that. That question formed the whole novel. Love it. How long did it take you to to make it through that first novel? You know, that being your your first stab at at fiction, did was it a uh, and was it a daunting process, or did it just start flowing when you got started? Um, it started flowing, but as you know, first drafts are often really horrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I, I would say it took a year in total. But um, but one of the things that I did, and I can recommend this to someone that's serious about writing fiction, is I found a woman who is a development editor. And her job was to go through the book and tell me what needed to be fixed, what was wrong. Um, and so, you know, I think writing novels and writing fiction is a, it's not only an art, but it's a business as well. Right. Sure. And so I thought I need to invest in my business by hiring an expert to help me because I don't know this field super well. And she was amazing. So she really helped shape the book. 
Um, and then with from her, I was able to find an agent who also helped shape the book. So it was a the actual first writing came pretty quickly, but it really took a year to refine it. And and like I said, I can recommend hiring a develop a good development editor. Sure. If, you, if, if it's your first novel that you want to get out there. And novel writing is is so strange because you spend, um, you know, the better part of a year a lot of times working on this book alone. It's just you and these characters that come alive and live in your head and and. You know, and you you get so close to the story because these people are alive to you and they're, you know, you're having a dialogue with these people that don't exist. And, you know, you're shaping their lives and they're in turn shaping yours. And, you know, it, it, it can become, you know, a little overwhelming at times. And having a person step in that has no ties to the project whatsoever and can take a critical eye and and really shine some light in areas that you just can't see anymore because you're just too close to it. Um, that, is, that is, uh, worth more than, uh, than you can describe just having another person that you can trust to, to take a look at your story, uh, is amazing. It's true. Yeah. You can't give it to your mom to read and expect right. to get good feedback that will make an editor want to buy your book. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Having that clear, uh, clear, wise eye is really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after that book, you published The Thin Edge, the uh, book two in that series. And now book uh, your third book, The Beautiful and the Wild, uh, just came out yesterday. This is a, a new set of characters, new publisher. Um, t- tell me about the genesis of this story. Where did it come from and how did you get where you are now? Um, well, the genesis for this book um, came. Um, so I, I have I live in a little cabin up in the mountains part time and um, you have to heat it with firewood. And so um, I don't know if you know how big a cord of wood is, but a cord of oh, wood yeah. is very big. <laughs> so I was hauling wood from down where it was dumped up to the deck to stack the wood and listening to podcasts. And I heard um on the, the radio came the story of Billy Sipple, who was an ex-Marine who um, thwarted the assass- attempted assassination of Gerald Ford in San Francisco. And, you know, he was lauded as a hero, um, but he was all, he was a closeted gay man and he was outed by the media at some point. Oh, no. And his his family knew nothing about, you know, his life in San Francisco and he was shunned by them. And according to this podcast, you know, he became very bitter and died a very lonely death um, in uh, San Francisco afterwards that it, it had just ruined his life. And I, so I had this idea because I'm a reporter and I've dealt with secrets, this idea, like what if you did something wonderful and good and it exposed your deepest secret. Um, and so I started to think about that. That was the genesis for the book. Wow. And Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just saying, um, I also did a, I was also fascinated by the idea of memory. And so, um, if you read the book, you know, the main character has a memory that may or may not be true. So I'll just say that I don't want to ruin the twist, but yeah. 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 And that is, um, I, I was really intrigued by that because, um, you know, as 
I was a teenager in the eighties and I remember, um, what did they call it? The, the satanic panic, um, where, you know, all over the news, they were these, you know, um, supposed, you know, who knows if they're real or not, the, the groups of, you know, devil worshipers all over the place that were stealing kids and, you know, abusing them or, you know, murdering them, you know, whatever, you know, the story was. Um, and then, you know, the idea of implanted memories, you know, comes out and well, well, was this true and was it not? And it really, you know, if you really start digging into it, it really makes you wonder, uh, you know, not only you know, how I can trust other people, but how can I trust even myself when we start really, you know, when enough stuff gets poured in there, you know, what, so that, that was a really intriguing, um, I, it was really interesting to see how you dealt with that in the book. I'm, I'm trying to step around it and not give away too much. Thank you very much. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the headline stuff, but when you dig deeper into the memory research, it is, like you said, it's super fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, tell me about the, the character of Liv. Um, wh where did she come from? <laughs> Well, you know, I wanted to write about a woman that was wounded in lots of ways, but had this inner strength that she didn't know that she had. And um, I'm kind of a firm believer. I, I just read this book called The Comfort Crisis, and it talks about how we get too comfortable in our lives and that discomfort is actually a gift sometimes because it can tell us what our strengths are. So I wanted a woman who would go through a test of fire and find her strength along the way. And so that, that was kind of the Genesis for her. Gotcha. Um, it, when you open the book, you drop us right in uh, and it's, uh, you know, almost disorienting uh, there for a second. And, you know, as you kind of, pick up at, you know, what's happening in the world, uh, therefore what's happening in the story. And, um, you know, was, uh, what, what was your intent where, when you first started kind of shaping this narrative, um, did you, obviously you meant to, but what, what were you thinking about kind of the way that you kind of inject us directly into the story? Um, yeah, that that's another good question. I love books that do that. Um, I'm more I like maybe I'm a little impatient, but I like the ones that drop you right into the action. Um, yeah. And so I wanted I wanted to do that. That's a little bit of journalism, too, that, you know, where you have to grab somebody and make them want to read because there's so many reasons for us not to sit down and read anymore. Um, yeah. But also that was I have two wonderful editors at Berkeley and their idea was um, I had done more of a chronological beginning and they, their idea was to do a then and now chapters, which I loved because there's almost two stories going on. There's the now story and there's the then story. Um, so, yeah, so that's how that came about. Um, I, I really liked it when they suggested that. I was like, oh, this is perfect. Um, it, it puts you in the action immediately and um, it gives you two stories to follow. And and as a reader, one of my favorite things is when you have a then and now you know, threads like that, wondering where they're going to converge, you know, and, and trying to think ahead, you know, and well, I wonder how this is, you know, going to intersect. And that's, that's always fun. That's an added little element uh, for readers as well. 
Yeah, I love those then and now stories or dual timeline. You know, yeah, I think right. those are those are great. They're great because they're taking you along on two different paths. You know, and yeah, so, yeah. There's a there's a a huge twist that we alluded to in the book, and and there's some other twisty uh, elements to the book. Um, when you're planning the book, when you're laying out your roadmap uh, ahead of time, do you start thinking about those twists and do you, um, you know, is there a formula about, you know, what this twist needs to be 38%, you know, into the book or, you know, <laughs> you, you, formula is probably not the right word, but are there certain, you know, places where the pace um, dictates that a, a certain upheaval needs to happen. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. I th think, you know, as, as I was plotting it out, um, I thought it, it was getting a little slow and I thought I need a twist here. I need something to change, to flip the action on its head. Um, and so I tried to pace them through. I don't, I didn't want them to be all jammed up, log jammed up against each other. So I tried to pace them through, whether it was 38% or what. I, <laughs> I, I bet there is a formula for that, but I, I don't have it. I just, um, I, I love twists. I wanted to put, you know, life is a plot twist, right? Right. So, <laughs> One yeah. giant plot twist. For sure. Um, well, the um, the the book is available everywhere now. It came out yesterday in hardcover, Kindle edition, and audiobook. Um, I have the audiobook in my queue, but I haven't started listening to it yet since since it just dropped yesterday. Have you listened to any of the audio yet, Peggy? I did. And Carissa yeah. Backer is the reader. She is so amazing that actually I kind of got lost in her voice and I was thinking, wow, this is a great book. <laughs> I realized that I wrote it, but she just That's gave such life to it. And yeah. just exactly how I heard it in my head as I was writing, she captured it. So the, the, the audible, the audio book is amazing. So yeah. That's, that's I can such a great feeling. Yeah. And, and it's, I, I love to, to read a book and then experience it again, uh, in audio because it is a different experience. And, and the, the narrator brings a lot of times an inflection, a, a tone that, you know, maybe you didn't get the first time and it's, it can be like a, a total other experience. The beautiful in the wild. Available everywhere now. Go visit your local bookstore. Pick it up. We'll also put links in the show notes where you can grab it from Amazon or Audible if you don't have a great local bookstore near you. Um, Peggy, if people are just discovering you and want to dig into all the great stuff that you're up to, is there a place online that's kind of a, a central place uh, for them to kind of catch up on on all the things that you're up to? You know, I, I would say probably Instagram is the, the best place to go. Um, I have a website, but it's kind of, um, I don't go there that much to update it. So yeah, so just follow me on Instagram, Peggy Townsend Writer. And um, that's where I post most of the stuff that I'm doing and things that are happening. So thank you for asking that. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll put the, a link to that in the show notes as well. So people can just click over and follow you. Uh, the Beautiful in the Wild. Go grab your copy today. Peggy, this has been so much fun chatting. Thank you for taking time to come on the show. No, oh, thanks, Hank. I really appreciate it. And you're on my list of favorite Hanks. <laughs> That's our episode for today. There's so much more to come as we talk to authors about the craft of writing, but also the business of publishing. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Storycraft Cafe podcast in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. The Storycraft Cafe is made possible by Dabble. Writing a book is challenging. Your writing tool should not be. Dabble is an easy-to-use online writing tool packed with helpful features that allow beginning novelists and published authors to create amazing stories. Visit us at dabblewriter.com and start your free trial today. Thanks for listening.